Yo, this is Conan. You're listening to World of Wrestling Podcast with Tax and Rich. Boom. Hello, everybody. Welcome to World of Wrestling Podcast. My name is Rich, and as always, I'm joined by my good buddy, Tax Williams. How you Hello, doing? Hello, everybody. I'm doing good. Thanks, mate. How you doing? I'm very well. Uh, today, we are also joined by a very special guest, Mr. Tom. How are you? Um, I'm pretty well, thanks. Thanks very much for having me on. I thought about like different ways to like introduce you for this. And I was thinking Dungeon Master Extraordinaire was the way to go. What do you think about that? Well, it depends on what the individual listener's experience of the term Dungeon Master is. <laughs> Kevin Sullivan. <laughs> Sullivan, my son. Tom's actually re- re- uh, reforming the Dungeon of Doom. <laughs> when we can get wrestling back, 2021, Tom's going to be there with the Dungeon of Doom. I feel oh, like I it's something it, the industry has been missing for too long. I look forward I, to who you're going to book as the Yeti. We would both agree on that front. We love like terrible WCW from 94 and stuff. We're big <laughs> fans. So like, I guess we should uh, inform our lovely listeners who you are, Tom, because uh, we have known each other for what, six, seven months now, but never actually met in person because this stupid, dumb COVID bollocks that we have to deal with. Uh, um, go on. That's true. Who are you, Tom? Um, so in terms of how I know you, Rich, um, so I am a... Uh, a professional game master. So I um, create, uh, run, facilitate, essentially role-playing games, both as private entertainment, um, as a sort of educational or therapeutic aid for children, families. Um, it was sounding really saucy until you got to the kids bit. <laughs> <laughs> Travis! <laughs> careful, careful. Again, let's let's really hope no clients listen to this. Um, <laughs> but also... Uh, I know Rich through being hired by the wrestling channel WrestleTalk to run a wrestling-themed role-playing game for their channel, which has five of the the main guys, well, four of the main guys from the WrestleTalk crew and a fantastic uh, drag performer, Lolo Brow, um, basically performing an improvised British wrestling promotion set very vaguely in the in the 90s the, i say the early 90s i, I mean, would say it's rich. my favorite thing to do i absolutely fucking love doing that rose bar <laughs> it's absolute banner how much have you seen of it tax have you seen any i have seen nothing similar oh, to how well, thanks for the support mate you fucking prick <laughs> as opposed to tom who's an extensive fan of the entire back to catalog of tax williams performances <laughs> on commentary and in ring <laughs> of course hey, i've listened to a little bit of your podcast guys come on <laughs> <laughs> oh, I appreciate you doing the extra effort. Yeah, cheers. <laughs> but no, uh, Bud's so much fun, man. I think you do an amazing job with that. Um, what's like your background in pro wrestling? What's like the earliest wrestling memory you have? So my very first, aside from being very, very young and vaguely aware of Hulk Hogan in the way that I think every single person in the West was vaguely aware of Hulk Hogan. I think I probably sure. saw films like Mr. Nanny um before i come across any actual wrestling programming but the first time i actually experienced professional wrestling was on channel four i think i was in my probably very very early teens uh when channel four was showing wwe programming at sometime in the early afternoon on sundays and sunday I ju- night here on t4 um uh, not t4 just regular old channel four. Oh wow <laughs> um and i i tuned in uh and just all I really remember of the storyline I'd watched was that uh, Triple H had injured Kane due to shenanigans and Kane was out there somewhere 
and coming for revenge, but hadn't been seen in weeks. And I think I was in the middle of uh, Triple H's sort of real chicken shit heel kind of period. And he was he had some kind of authoritarian machinations going on, but there was this constant looming threat that the big red machine would be back for his revenge. And it was specifically through the character of Kane that I got I'm really, really into professional wrestling. Monsters have always been my favorite wrestling thing. And that idea of that idea of an unbeatable giant who can only really be defeated through through cheating, but in like in a in a fair fight is just too physically powerful to be overwhelmed just out there like waiting for some kind of bloody vengeance and you know be, being a kid and being into like comic books and horror something about a big masked monster always appeals as well but yeah that was my in my in was channel four and the looming threat of kane it explains somewhat why you picked this film we're going to be reviewing today <laughs> well that's actually i picked this film because <laughs> i absolutely fucking love scooby-doo um <laughs> scooby-doo is is incredible um always loved the show uh, it was um, it was a a big part of how my fiance and I spent our time together when we first met. We used to just kind of hang out and watch episodes of Scooby Doo. But yeah, always love Scooby Doo. The fact that the big red were you five? Um, <laughs> no, man. No, we've known each other. How old are you? Go on, go on. How old am I? Um, old no, how old were you when you met your missus and started watching Scooby Doo? I was bonded mm, over Scooby Doo. I want to say around nineteen. 20? Okay. Fair. Yeah, around that around that age. So a canny whack ago. Um, but yeah. And yeah, I had no idea that the big, well, he's the big red monster in the, in the film, but I had no idea that Kane was going to turn up in WrestleMania mystery. And I was delighted when he did. <laughs> <laughs> so I guess, is there anything else you want to say like about like your wrestling history or anything? Tax, there must be something you'd want to ask him. I mean, obviously there. So it's, we're talking like early 2000s. You got into it. But therefore, if you would have watched when it was on Channel 4 as well, when they showed, I think it would have been Royal Rumble 2000. Because I think that was one of the ones that Channel 4 showed as a pay-per-view. Did you watch the pay-per-views? Were you aware of them when they came on on Channel 4? I don't think I was aware of pay-per-views at all. No, I think the only stuff I watched when I watched at that age were, I'm not sure how far behind on the program in the US they were, but whatever was shown in the afternoon. Um, but no, that, that was my, my, my pure experience of televised wrestling was just that stuff on Channel 4. And then... Um, then I, I went on a wrestling hiatus for a while and I didn't really get back into it until it was in my, I want to say, mid-mumble-mumble-mumble. Mumble. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have fond memories cool. of Channel 4 wrestling because I um, after I'd left school and dropped out of uni after six days, I was working as a pizza delivery driver. And I remember one evening I went home because I was not feeling very well and I rode my little moped all the way home from Ashford to Brenzit thinking, I'm going to throw up in my crash helmet. This is going to be rancid. Then got home feeling really rough and i remember sitting in bed and watching invasion because i was like oh i forgot that was on on channel four so that was the invasion pay for you that showed on channel four so i always have fond memories of channel four and i wasn't sick so happy days i say doesn't this story end with you eating pizza in your bed feeling sorry for yourself oh yeah i I take a pizza home feeling ill because i thought you know (laughs) don't don't turn down a free pizza (laughs) it's the idea that if you just get more food in it'll just sort of push the potential vomit down (laughs) Or, or essentially speed up the process <laughs> all right so before we kick into this review or review podcast whatever we don't really do reviews it's more just shitting on everything <laughs> like um worst job you've ever had tom worst job ever had Ooh. worst job you ever had it can be a one off or like a permanent thing <laughs> shut the fuck up you love this pod. <laughs> so i um i was and still am um but not in this current climate a production manager for live events 
So I used to be the technical manager of a venue near Old Street, uh, which I probably can't name, but... Probably sensible not to on this podcast, mate. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, who um, are just hands down the worst... The worst theatre in the city of London, um, you know, run run by a uh, uh, narcissistic crackhead and his uh, delusional assistant. Um, one of the probably one of the biggest. Wow. Uh, literally, every room contained at least a dozen health and safety violations. Um, I I can probably say with some confidence that some of the fixes I did to that place saved a few people from potentially fatal electric shocks um and they were just a bunch of pricks really they would they would they would cheat um clients out of their money they were promising the world and yeah they um a significant portion of my white hairs are entirely as a result of the time i spent there um yeah that's my worst job my worst job was working for this absolutely morally abysmal venue in london sounds um, like they very... run brit rest. <laughs> i mean a lot of a lot of parallels can be drawn between the sort of the fringe theater scene in london and like and yeah independent british wrestling there's a lot of did, the, the same a lot of the same issues there we did a podcast with my dad where we talked about this for about 20 minutes because he's a theater bod as well like he grew up in the theater and everything and he was just talking about pro wrestling and we we're just comparing notes about how terrible it can be it's also amazing both can be amazing but you know what i mean tax what's your worst job buddy um, I know some of you putting over Matt Terry. <laughs> <laughs> That's a joke only a very few people are going to get. Matt Terry is a person that wrestles that Tax has worked with. Um, I worked for a very He's much a cowboy boy. accountancy practice in my early days, including a ma- the man during an interview who really fills you with confidence. Who just said, "I mean," and he always for some reason called me, well, not this name, he was Taxi. I, my real name, but EY afterwards. You go, yeah. taxi. You see, the problem is, um, accounts is like a production line. A cog will wear out. I'll just fire him. I mean, replace the cog. And I was like, this is going to be somewhere I definitely want to work. Amazing. What a he lovely a, man he sounds like. He was a piece of shit. He took out second charges on people's homes if they didn't pay like a hundred quid like invoice. He loved going to court with his ex-wife. I think he like had a solicitor and retainer who was like, buy one, get one divorce free. oh okay good grief i was trying to think what my worst one was and as you guys probably know i filmed weddings like before i started working wrestle talk and i once did a wedding for a couple that were from the isle of sheppey i I know tax is gonna know where that is tom do you know where the isle of sheppey is the isle of sheppey are we talking a scottish isle here no it's off the coast of kent there's a so the home of, of Zack Sabre Jr. It is the home of Zack Sabre Jr. Yeah, interesting. <laughs> so Sheppey is basically a very small island just off the coast of Kent, kind of right next to Sittingbourne. You'd imagine, like, you know, just off the coast of Kent, beautiful countryside, big power station, lots of incestual nonsense and webbed feet. You know, it's it's horrible. <laughs> it's one of my like most hated places, like close to us. And uh, I want basically it's just full of terrifying people. Uh, basically, you make a music video with the guests at the wedding, so you get them to sing a line of the song, and then you edit it all together like as a big video package. And uh, I once went up to a person who was like, "Would you like to be a part of this wedding day video?" You know, a couple have asked me to be here, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And he went, "Ask me again, I'll fucking smash your camera and chuck you off a cliff, mate." <laughs> and I was just like, Hooray. "That was the mayor of Sheppey." <laughs> mm, yeah, but like this was. 
how all these people were. It was a horrible man. It was like 60, 70 people all like that. It was fucking terrible. End up just leaving. It was great. Did you Anyways. ever do gigs on Sheppy? Uh, yeah, I played the Ivy a couple of times with my yeah, band. Loved the Ivy. Um, a band mm. I was in prior to um, my last Iris. band, Iris. Uh, you know Dan, Seven Day Conspiracy? Yes. You might. I'm assuming you don't, Tom, because you're not a Kent kid. <laughs> nope. It's very incestual. <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, yeah, Dan had uh, Dan's band, Seven Day Conspiracy, played in uh, Sheppey and had all their gear stolen from a locked cupboard in the venue. Magic. It's just amazing how it disappeared and like, you know, there's still the lock on the door. And so someone had come along, unlocked it, let someone take all the equipment and then relock the door. <laughs> would someone say they would have got away with it if it hadn't been for those meddling kids? There we go. Speaking Bring of which, back. that's the second link you did there. Thank you very much. Well, today for the podcast, we'll jump into it. We're doing Scooby-Doo's WrestleMania mystery chosen by lovely Tom here. Tom, what motivated you to pick this as the thing you wanted to do on the podcast? Well, I I love Scooby-Doo, man. I, I think when we were talking about possible things to do, my first thought was, oh, well, maybe, maybe a wrestling movie, maybe something from WWE Studios or something from Hogan's um, Hollywood period. And then, yeah, I just remembered all of a sudden of the the first of two um, WWE Scooby-Doo collaborations. Oh. Uh, the Scooby-Doo WrestleMania mystery. Well, that's perfect. I mean, I, I genuinely love both Scooby-Doo um, and I genuinely love the Big Red Monster. Cool, okay. Were you disappointed with the sequel that Hogan had been fired considering he was supposed to be playing a major role? Was it um, was a Speed Demon? Was, was Hogan spo- supposed to be in Speed Demon? Hogan was supposed to be in Speed Demon and then he got fired. So Shit. then that's why you got the whole... Because I think, was it like Cody Rhodes through like doing the research and it's like Cody Rhodes, The Miz was back in this in the second one. It's almost like WWE going straight to DVD went, you know what would be a really good idea? This bad boy. I had no idea Hogan was supposed to be in it. Um, I'm just trying to think now who from Speed Demon would have... Oh, was he supposed to do what The Undertaker was doing? Was he supposed to I'm, be the... I'm not sure because I'll be honest, Tom, I haven't watched the second one. <laughs> I did my, my detailed research and the fact that there was a sequel surprised me. But they announced it in 2014. So the film we're covering today that did so well on straight to DVD that they announced on the 15th of September 2014 that WWE and Warner Brothers, real Warner Brothers, were going to do their, uh, their direct DVD sequel. Um, and then Hogan was billed to be prominently, but how in it? But however, in July he was booted, probably was for uh, the Mister WrestleMania stuff, or was it the racism stuff? I think this was around <laughs> the time of him being a massive racist. Oh, fair enough, because it was 2015, where you know you've got to be careful who's listening, guys. You might get caught. Not, I'm sorry for being a massive racist. What a cunt, Jesus Christ. Jesus. So, we open in the forests of WWE City, as we discover. There are crickets, frogs, fireflies, and who emerges over hill yonder? That's gotta be Kane! <laughs> Doing his usual walk to the ring backstage, but, you know, to the forest, snarling and growling. I've got to say, the animation of Kane is fucking brilliant. He's big, he's muscly, it's... it's... Glenn Jacobs, I find a little bit lovely nowadays. He's a bit cuddly, you know, but this Kane is is not. He's angry Kane. Glenn Jacobs is such a such a stand up guy. I've heard nothing but um, stories of what a sort of a decent, respected, like kind of father figure he is to everyone in the locker room. 
he just seems to be there's a wonderful moment if you've ever watched and um i really hope you haven't because it's dreadful but any of wwe swerved show where they basically prank each other i've watched a, bit, a little bit yeah there's a bit with i bet tax to watch them all every last one every last one <laughs> so you knew it you'll remember this when they give Paige a cattle prod and she's going around cattle prodding people backstage um and then she gets up to Kane, um, or Glenn Jacobs, and she says, um, "Can I, can I shock you?" And he just looks at her and says, "No." She's like, oh, "Okay, sure," <laughs> and she walks on. Um, no, no one messes with Glenn Jacobs, man. Um, my other Glenn Jacobs backstage story is something from Lesnar. Lesnar talked about how he arm wrestled everybody in the locker room, um, including Big Show, whose fingers were the size of sausages and could beat everybody. But the one person he couldn't beat was Kane. He said it was like trying to arm wrestle a tree. Kane probably cheated and just bent his wrist back. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I don't think Glenn Jacobs would cheat, man. Glenn Jacobs That's is Kane would cheat. What are you talking about? <laughs> I've, yeah, it's way too lovely. Love him. He's, I heard such he's a... also a great dentist. It's American politician. They don't cheat, right? They're good people. <laughs> he's well. He's a mayor, and he's a he's a new mayor, so I don't think he's got corrupt yet. <laughs> a giant, seemingly cardboard <laughs> cutout animatronic sign of road sign, I guess it is, of Triple H tells us to take the next exit because it's just that good to WWE City. Uh, Miz is out for a run, bumps into the big red machine who snarls at him. Uh, Kane dismisses the Miz and moves on. So this is our opening sequence. Uh, I, I was intrigued, but just like, hmm, don't get not much of an establishment plot or anything as of yet. Well, the Miz mentioned something about how um, Kane was Kane lost the title, was cheated the title in that scene, right? There's the, it establishes, I think, that Kane is heading to WWE City to to reclaim some kind of wrong. Um, I guess a question for you guys, because he's very much the comic relief who gets smacked around in this movie. At that mm. period in WWE history, was Miz that much of a joke in the ring as well, or was he taken more seriously? When was this made? This would have been uh, 2014. I know, so 2012, they announced it and they released it in 2014. So it was just before Mania 20. No, that's bad maths. I, I think it might have been the time, in all honesty, that Miz was in the title picture. I was going to say, was doing the main his... event of WrestleMania around this time? <laughs> Miz was doing his really really mm. gimmick on yeah, the mic yeah. at this time because that's why because obviously when he does this little thing with Kane he keeps on going really <laughs> so he, sure. he'd, he'd been to the top of the mountain and he was still falling back down it, it this whole film does feel like um it's a very scooby-doo plot and movie with some WWE stuff in it rather than like a WWE thing that's added scooby-doo in as such I think that's fair to say yeah, I think that's fair. It's definitely, it's it's definitely aimed at the Scooby Doo audience. I think it's aimed about making the Scooby Doo fans aware of the WWE. I think it's a, a gateway for for Doo fans to get into um Big Vinnie Mac rather than the other way around. Yeah, I'm not sure it was aimed at me. I'm going to be honest. <laughs> it was aimed at me for sure. <laughs> Fucking love it. <laughs> So we got our first match of the evening where Miz gets attacked by a demon fire bear from the depths of hell. It's it's. I thought immediately cane themed bear, right? Because it's all flaming and fire, but it gets uh, pitched as the ghost bear as the movie goes on. I guess this is a Scooby Doo thing. There, we always have ghosts and that sort of like supernatural characters. But I don't know. It felt like a demon bear rather than a ghost bear to me. Is it just me? I thought 
that's where Warhorse got his gimmick from. Fair, <laughs> yeah. Tom, um, I see where you're coming from. It's well, it's got the it's got all the motifs of something Warhell based, right? It's got a, a sort of flaming head and flaming claws. Um, it's this it's the weird thing about Scooby Doo where everything has to be a ghost. There, there's an episode in the very first series of Scooby Doo Where Are You, where they're in the mountains and there's some kind of snow beast. And rather than just say it's a snow beast, that's supernatural enough. It's the ghost of a snow beast because it's got to be a ghost. So I figure that's why it's a ghost there because it just has. To, there's some kind of so, there's something in a a monster's contract for Scooby Doo that you've got to be cool. a ghost. And also, it's impossible to not have a Scooby Doo thing where he goes g -g 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 ghost. Of course, yeah, yeah. I have to establish the fire demon bear because I have jokes about that later. So I'm just throwing it out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, foreshadowing. So with a little bit of uh, Triple H interference, you know, the cardboard cutout sign thing, the road sign, the demon wet bear w wins via KO. I can say that. Shut the fuck up. So epic movie titles. These are really nicely animated. Um, uh, the music is fairly decent for most of the stuff we review. Usually it's shit. So, but Scooby-Doo, like, this is good. Uh, I have a slight issue with the lyrics. Because <laughs> we get the... Ba 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 bit at the beginning, and then the lyrics go, "Are you pumped and ready? Hope you're not something sassetti." <laughs> didn't get that bit. Let's go make some history. Mm, just like the the attempt at rhyming these words that don't rhyme. <sighs> I don't know. That's crazy. <laughs> is that anyway. a personal bugbear? Absolutely. Uh, so this is produced and directed by Brandon. You might be able to pronounce this last name better than I can. How do you spell it? V V T V T I V E I T T I. Vietti, Vietti? I think. Yeah, Brands. I think it's Vietti. Nice. So I looked him up on IMDb, and basically he's just done a whole bunch of comic book cartoon movies. Like you know, he's done some Batman, a whole bunch of DC. He's done some other Scooby stuff. Um, yeah, and weirdly, nothing outside of that whatsoever. It seems it's just all comic book movies, which has got to be quite a unique thing. Really? Well, I think there's something about uh, the voice, I think sort of the voice acting community, the animation community, where um, some people end up just not stuck, but sort of carving a niche into a certain kind of genre. So like some of the really iconic cartoons like Batman, the animated series, things like that, the, the people who worked on that um, have pretty much consistently worked in the field of sort of animated superheroic since then. Um, I, I understand only very little of um, that particular world, but I think like anything um, that it's, whereas I guess in mainstream film acting, it's damaging to be typecast. I think when it comes mm. to something like cartoons and animation, uh, finding a niche is probably actually quite key to just getting more work. Um, so we can definitely talk more about this, but let me just get on to this next bit because Shaggy and Scooby are cosplaying Cena and Sinkara in their basement, I think it is. Two main event stars and John <laughs> Cena. <laughs> <laughs> so they're playing this video game. Uh, so Shaggy is obviously Matthew Lillard, who's been doing Shaggy for quite a while now, who I think is no longer doing Shaggy from what I understand. Is that Not correct? Not anymore, no. Which I think he was quite bummed out about because he loves doing the he role. Be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's got to be such a good gig, hasn't it? Just like hopping in a studio, doing some fun Scooby lines, you know, like, oh, just be so much fun. I um, did have a question from a Scooby-Doo basis. So obviously Tom being a, a sort of Scooby-Doo super fan-ish. Well, let's call it super fan. 
I didn't realise that they're actually re-recording. Again, just I thought interesting notes for the sequel, so I didn't think anyone would really look into it. They're re-recording the voice parts for Velma and Daphne in 2021 to be released. So Speed Demon's being re-released with... Um, Mindy Cohen's been... Is, has replaced... Um, do-do-do-do-do... Who's replaced Velma as 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 as, as Kate Macucci? Um, so she's do, do voicing over um, Velma in 2021, and then Daphne's voice of Grey Griffin is being replaced by Holland Roden in 2021. Oh shit, son, that's terrible, man! Like that cast is that cast is my favourite cast. Um, I feel I've just broken bad Scooby news. I've broken bad <laughs> yeah, do man. news on the World of Wrestling podcast. But yeah, so that seems to be that they're revoicing it or or, or from next year they're not going to be the same cast. I can't believe they I can't believe they're putting Kate Micucci over Mindy Cohn. <laughs> I'm devastated. <laughs> Kate Micucci's brilliant. Garth and Knotes all the way. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, man. I I do actually like a lot of the stuff she does, but um so they're, 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 they're retroactively re-recording their dialogue for Speed Demon, then re-releasing it with the current cast. Yes, yeah, so That's per nuts. sort of the, the, the plot list, it says Mindy Cohen as Velma Dinkley, 2021 release. And then Holland um, Roden as Daphne Blake, 2021 release. Oh, so Mindy Cohen is being... Is, Mindy Cohen is recording over the top of what Kate Micucci did. Yeah. That's weird, because I, I know Mindy Cohen was Velma in... I'm pretty sure Mindy Cohen was Velma in both this and in Speed Demon originally, because uh, that particular cast of um, uh, like Matthew Lillard, Frank Welker as Fred and Scooby, and then Mindy Cohen and Gray Griffin have been that way for a long time. That's I'm going to have to look into this, man. This is oh man, you, breaking you, news! You've you've you've, <laughs> you've damaged the very foundations of the of the world I hold on to. I mean, unless I realised that you were a super fan and actually went onto Wikipedia and completely messed with the the edit of who's doing the voice acting. <laughs> Who would do that, man? That's. <laughs> Are we sure that George Lucas isn't in control of this production? Because I mean, just replace oh. all the characters, you know, change all the voices. That's a that's, so, that's, um, that's a fair burn on George Lucas. <laughs> yeah, fucking a, ruining everything. So with this all in mind, uh, we had a brief conversation, Tom, about the man that does the voice of Scooby-Doo. Would you like to drop some knowledge, sir? I'm just going to open the floor to you at this point. Uh, Sure. So the highest grossing actor of all time, if you just combine the box office gross of every single film they've been in, is Frank Welker, the man who voices Scooby-Doo in these set of films and has been voicing Fred Jones since the very first episode of Scooby-Doo way back in the original series. Uh, he's an actor who is always called upon to do animal voices um, and monster voices. He's, he's Nibbler from Futurama. Um, he's been Megatron in almost every iteration of Transformers, but he's basically the go-to guy, particularly for animalistic sounds. Um, so yeah, if you combine the box office gross of every single movie he's been in, he is the highest grossing movie actor of all time. If you look through his IMDb, it is insane. It's like every childhood favorite character into like teenage favorite movies and stuff. You know, it's just always him doing the voice of all the characters. And it's crazy how many things this guy's been in. He's probably been in the three films I've ever watched. <laughs> <laughs> what? Yeah, Texas. What are those three films? Let's see. Let's see if that's actually true. I would be over the moon <laughs> if it turns out. I mean, to be honest, I watch films so rarely, I probably wouldn't remember them 
You've seen the Marine with John Cena in X Men. I mean, I don't really class <laughs> WWE Studios things as films. I like to call them as shit features. <laughs> Fair point. Yeah, I would say uh, John Cena's acting in the Marine was probably less wooden than his voiceover work is in this movie. <laughs> so... Hey, I think John Cena's good in this man. I feel like shut up, Tom. You're wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. I feel like John Cena. John Cena is a man who always knows exactly what his job is, and he does that exact job exactly how it should be done. Yeah, it's called calling it in. <laughs> Man, I, I I have no complaints from John Cena in this feature. I think he plays the, I, I think he plays the wooden wrestling character of John Cena with the the the, the, the so John Cena. Yeah, the trademark flatness flatness we know him using in the ring. He uses on the mic. I, I am the director's no like, can we have a bit more John Cena on that? Can you be a bit more John Cena, John Cena? Oh, okay. So Shaggy and Scooby, we're going to have to jump ahead. We have to skip loads of stuff here because we're well running behind. Ruggie. So Shaggy and Scooby do uh, doing their video game and Scooby learns the dance that he has to do in the game to win, which comes back a lot later in the film. So we need to put that in. Uh, everyone loves a dance off, to be fair. Uh, so Vince cuts a promo on Scooby and Shaggy. They want a trip to WWE City in the video game. Um, just imagine a city designed by WWE. It's Vince's wet dream. It's like big racist, exploitative, <laughs> horrible city. You know? Well, we'll get to that at the end. Jesus. <laughs> but it's mostly just hotels and restaurants, isn't it? It's all hotels and restaurants and then the training camp. I mean, this city looks a bit like kind of, you know, a camp of sorts where there are lots of individual shacks and lots of fencing. Just put it that way. It's almost like they had to take WWE Slam City and also Kemp WWE and just merge what they had already on the network into this film. How do the dates work out on that one? I have no idea. <laughs> okay. I, I, I think Kemp WWE is, I think it's more recent. I, I feel like this is the this is the movie where they realise that actually Vince McMahon has missed his true calling as a voice actor. So I <laughs> he's fucking he's, great in this. He's, he's, um, really he's an good. amazing voice actor. We very much all agree that Vince is one of our favourite commentators. He's one of the favourite promo guys. He's generally one of my favourite wrestlers, I would say, as well. All his he just can't book anything for brilliant. shit. Yeah, that's the problem. He doesn't know how to book. Well, apart from that, he used to know how to book. But he is, yeah, as an in-ring performer, he is he's the, the best heel in WWE history, for sure. Fucking A. So Scoob and Shaggy convinced the crew to go to WWE City because it's WrestleMania, apparently. Uh, the crew aren't really into it, so they have this sequence in this diner. Um, it's, it's kind of fun. They've got this photo sequence where they just, where they show all the times they've dressed up in different parts. And there was a really funny bit to me. That I don't know how this was meant to go in, but it came off to me like this. Was they joke about Scooby uh, as getting milked? Or was it Scooby almost got milked? And surely that's a dog wanking joke, right? <laughs> It def definitely feels like the movie is skirting the line with jokes that the parents will get that will go over the kids' heads, for sure. Well, again, this was the first Scooby film that was PG, wasn't it? Oh, Ooh. okay. There you go. Dropping some knowledge. I like it. Look at Which the research. I just watched to it be... and wrote silly notes. <laughs> I, had to, I had to do some research. So I didn't have to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> but the PG element, I think, is because of the wrestling content. Because while obviously Scooby Doo is going to be have the mystery and the and the finding out who did it at the end, there's no actual real fighting. I mean, there's not really much real fighting in here, but at least there's some degree of violence. Yeah, I um, think is there ever a fight? There isn't. There's lots of chasing and stuff, there's wrestling. There? Yeah, there's actual wrestling. Um, also, going back to that scene at the start, uh, they they PGify the choke slam where actually Kane just grabs Miz by the cheeks instead and lifts him up. I love that. 
I love seeing the, like the, a, the, the, the PG-friendly um, chug slam. Like the face slam almost, the, you know? The, the cheek slam, I'm calling it. <laughs> it's like uh, the Iron Claw from the Von Erics, you know, but with a slam. <laughs> it's great. So the gang have some really interesting logic to try and convince themselves to go to WrestleMania. I think we'll skip over it a bit, but blah, 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 blah. Road trip! Uh, Scoob and Shaggy have bought so many Scooby snacks they've forgotten everyone's luggage. And there's an amazing kind of tongue-in-cheek joke where they're like, what's the problem? We all wear the same outfits every day anyway. <laughs> that genuinely got a laugh out of it. <laughs> Best line of the movie. It might be. It's pretty good. Which also works with wrestlers as well. Hang on, John. Why do you always wear those jorts? <laughs> Can I just one, take a moment to say that I have never been able to take John Cena seriously in his jorts. I wish he would not wear the jorts. I hate them so much. I really hate those jorts. But if he came out wearing anything else, you'd be like, oh, it's just not John Cena anymore. Well, his, sort of his khaki jorts kind of work a little bit better, or his camo ones, when he really doesn't <laughs> oh, want to okay. be seen. Um, so but... it's the material that's the problem. <laughs> it's not the, the denim the... ones. <laughs> there's, something about the, there's something about the denim jorts with just, I, I, I hate him. I hate him, guys. I hate him more than a man should hate a pair of jorts. I, I think this is reasonable. I think you fit right in here, Tom. This is working well for me. <laughs> So um, the, there's a raccoon that makes the Sco- Scooby, what's it called? The, the mystery machine uh, spin off the road. Ba, 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 ba. And his name is John Cena. And some lovely gentlemen in a pickup truck. America. So these lovely gents in the pickup truck that come to save the, the mystery machine gang, or whatever, what are they called? There must be a name for the gang. Um, they're the Mystery Incorporated is the name of their mystery solving business. Okay, am I okay saying Mystery Ink? Does that work? Mystery Ink is fine, yeah. If you want to okay. save yourself the time and cut off two syllables. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a very short attention span. <laughs> so it's like anywhere I can save time. <clears throat> so the mystery douchebags. <laughs> uh, anyway, so this, this pickup truck arrives with John Cena and these two guys who are very much kind of like side characters to start with because they're not wrestlers and they're not Scooby-Doo mains or whatever. But... You, you kind of instantly get that feeling like, I feel like, because uh, I've seen a Scooby-Doo cartoon before, this might be useful information to know who these people are. I thought one of them was throwback from John Cena's album. Oh, he does look a bit like early John Cena. Who was the guy that looked like um, John no, Cena, I, but darker I, I, skin? Was the... No, but I thought I thought there was someone on his album called Throwback, therefore this joke has been completely ruined if that wasn't the name of the bloke on John <laughs> Cena's first album. So let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> ba, 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 ba. <laughs> just do that noise that makes people laugh so john cena rips off his shirt um and is it daphne daphne gets wet yeah just like me god john cena sexy boy isn't he? not cartoon john cena but daphne the reason why nikki bella and john cena never got wed <laughs> what a whore bag she yeah she really yokoed that relationship <laughs> um i particularly like after we see that little fantasy um dream sequence of Daphne's imagining her next to Cena you then get that really nice um, fantasy that uh, Shaggy and Scooby have of standing with them but both being equally muscular <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's that really fun, made man. me laugh man super silly so the raccoon uh, steals Scooby's weed I mean Scooby snacks and <laughs> runs off into the wood we get the Scooby cartoons into a tree it's really fun you know uh, then we get this demon tree sequence that is actually Scooby coming up and we got our first zoinks of the movie that was, I was like yay he said zoinks um, I bet this is the first time we get introduced to our white supremacist of the movie. <laughs> Dutch Mantel arrived. 
So it's a woodsman with a shotgun. America. Uh, he's full of white supremacist militia man, Unabomber type angle, you know? It's you know beautiful, beautiful handlebars, screen, though. Yeah. I really I really like that guy. Like I just saw him as a like a guy who <laughs> who didn't like who didn't want WB City impinging upon the woods. I saw him as more of kind of like a, a survivalist kind of um hermit kind of character who just wants to live alone in the trees away from everybody and just resents WW City for um encroaching on his land. I liked him. What, I, I felt what, a kinship with him. Would I call him a unibomber? That's not a negative thing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the killing people bit, you know. I, I think everybody likes the Unabomber Rich. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna move on from this. <laughs> so John Seaman's wooding acting is fucking terrible here, but it's what it is. Um Cena gives Scooby and Shaggy some tickets for tonight's show, cut to a WWE house show. Uh yeah, so this is the the show before WrestleMania. It seems the inconvenient idea to have a house show like the day before WrestleMania. Seems a bit I dangerous. think it was access. <laughs> Let's claim it was access. Um, so there is one massive issue with this sequence. We have Michael Cole on commentary. Boo. Boo, indeed. We are not fans of Michael Cole here. Um, well, well, we say we're not fans of Michael Cole. I think he does a very difficult job following on from JR and having people shout down his ear. In 20 years' time, there'll be people who go... Now, Tom Phillips is no Michael Cole. Oh, well, Michael oh. Cole always put the story over. Yeah, but Michael Cole's a... Mm, he's a great war correspondent. I just can't stand the tone of his voice. Every time he talks, I'm just like... I do have some sympathy for Michael Cole because I know that Vince is barking in his ear the entire time he's trying to do his job. Um, like constantly sort of throwing lines at him that he has to deliver because Vince thinks they're the funniest thing in the world. Um... Also, I I have a theory that Michael Cole has wanted to shave his soul patch for years and Vince would let him. <laughs> <laughs> you think about, I know people always say this about Michael Cole and I don't want to be doing serious talk, but um, there's all these other commentators for WWE, whatever. They've never had this issue of me detesting them. <laughs> it's just Michael Cole. And they all have Vince in their ear. You know what I mean? Wow. Whatever. Cut to Cena and Sin Cara against Big Show uh, and some other piece of shit arsehole who I'm not going to name. Uh, Velma in the crowd goes, uh, I can't say I'm bored. And I'm like, at least someone isn't. <laughs> it's a John Cena match. Hey. <laughs> uh, um, show does the job for Cena and Cara to pick up the win. And obviously Cena gets the pin because, you know, Sin Cara ain't getting that pin for John Cena's in the ring. This is a uh, an sequence. Let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> Most entertaining John Cena match in years. Um, yeah, I'd agree with that. Uh, Vincent Mann out next. Uh, the ugly spinner belt. Uh, lowest from the ceiling. Also, how has Vince got bigger muscles than everyone in this thing? It's almost like he's got final edit. Yeah, that sounds about right. I mean, I mean Vince, Vince was Vince jacked man. in this movie. How did he find a suit, like Big Show's suit, just to fill out with his hulking muscles brother did you catch uh vince's line here that really threw me when the uh championship comes down from the ceiling is that the one about um the wwe stands for honor respect hard work and dedication no that was gonna be my next title belt he called it a belt yeah vince man called his championship a belt belt. and i I was generally just had to pause it for a minute i was like holy shit because vince has a real affinity for not saying belt at all so the fact he let this slide in the Scooby-Doo script, I was just like, fucking hell, boys. Warner Brothers money. Yeah, I mean, maybe so. He's having maybe. so much fun, he just didn't care. 
Maybe that's why he's so jacked. He said, okay, I'll say belt, but you've got to make me the most jacked guy on this show. <laughs> that was the deal, I think. So Vince tells us the uh, best joke of the movie so far. As you previously said, the WWE Championship belt represents honor, respect, hard work, dedication, the very soul of WWE. <laughs> I mean, that's the aspiration of the belt. I'm not sure that's how they book it. I'm also not entirely sure that's... If you get to the very core of WWE, I don't think you'll find those qualities <laughs> at the centre. So, the plot here is that Kane was the champ. The belt's been vacated, so it's WCW 2000 all over again. Um, the, belt will, the belt will be won by someone at WrestleMania. So we then... That's terrible advertising. It's terrible yeah. advertising. What's your marquee match? Oh, someone will win the belt. <laughs> Got to book this shit better, boys. So, uh, WWE Training Center, uh, Training Camp, sorry. Is that how I refer to it, isn't it? Training Camp? I think it's called um, The Rock Camp or something. I think they the... have the belt in the rock face above the camp, don't they? I also think and they it's... had to get Dwayne in there somehow, didn't they? Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly it. It's the only way they could possibly reference um, Dwayne with him obviously not wanting to be referenced at all in this thing. So, we pan past some people sitting outside this camp, and we have Jerry Lawler. Boo. Waiting for little kids. We have Jimmy Hart, racist. And we have Sergeant Slaughter, American. Okay. <laughs> Sergeant Slaughter's all right, at least. Side plot of the pickup truck lads. Oh, I just about got that in there. <laughs> Who's the, the dad and the son? The son is a wrestler and the dad is a former wrestler. Who looked dad, a bit like Rocky Johnson. He did look quite a lot like Rocky Johnson. Um, but the dad doesn't want the son to be a wrestler because he's so good at technology. Is that the plot? Um, he, yeah, he he. Well, because the dad was injured, the dad busted his leg in a match, and that was his entire basically career written off. He doesn't want his he doesn't want his son to be put in danger. I think I think it's a comp. Oh, sorry, it's his it's his uncle, isn't it his uncle? Yeah, he doesn't want his nephew to wrestle because he thinks that, as his nephew is very good at computers, he has a more stable and secure future, um, working in computers rather than. Uh, working in in an industry where there is always the risk that you could suddenly be out of a job at the drop of a hat. So I think that's it. The, the one thing I did question here is that I didn't catch it right until the end of the movie. Do they say the names of these people at any point, these side characters? Uh, yeah, quite a few times. Um, so okay. I obviously just was not paying attention. Uh, Co Cookie is the name of the uncle and the coach. His name's Cookie. And the his nephew's called um, Ruben. Okay, cool. It's quite cute names, all considered. Well, who would suspect that either Rubin or Cookie could potentially be villainous deviants? Yeah, not me, that's for sure. <laughs> I didn't suspect anything was going on at this stage. Never seen a Scooby-Doo cartoon before, so I would have no idea what's happening in this sequence. <laughs> so uh, we cut this Scooby dream sequence uh, where he's wrestling food. It was very out of left field. <laughs> didn't know where this came from it's great fun um yeah it is it's yeah <laughs> it, it is fun but it is a huge sudden like stylistic change of everything else that's happened so far uh i guess it's a fun idea and it's in there so i guess that's it right someone had seen aquatine hunger force and gone i like those characters let's get those in somehow it does have that kind of aquatine feel yeah um i don't know what that is it's over my head it's an adult swim cartoon about a bunch of surly fast food items. Mm, okay. Meatwad. <laughs> <laughs> I 
So this is basically um, a, a vehicle to get Scooby-Doo to wake up and jump into this scene with the demon bear that reoccurs here. Ghost bear. As you might expect. Sorry, ghost bear. I'm saying demon bear because <laughs> it feeds into my joke later. I'm sorry. <laughs> You so are they, setting this joke up now. I really hope this really isn't going to fall joke, flat. Yeah. It's not even that funny. It just has to be a, a fire demon bear. Um, so it attacks on Gedex. It's a movie joke, but it's fine. <laughs> it's okay. I'll laugh politely. Okay. So uh, there's lots of lots and lots of exposition in this movie, and this is the one of the first times we get it. We get lots of exposition about the ghost bear. And Kane growls in the forest. Uh, a normal weekend for Glenn, you know, hanging out in the forest, growling at people. Great fun. Um, so the gang get admonished uh, by R- Miss Richards, who I don't know if this is a real person or whether this is just exclusively to this cartoon. This is just uh, another just an- another character exclusive to this cartoon. And okay. you can pretty much... The way my brain was thinking when I saw this for the first time was right. Okay, so we have three characters so far who are neither members of Mystery Incorporated nor WWE star. So therefore, we have three suspects. That was when my brain was Four? at this point. Woodsman as well. Oh yeah, Woods. I mean, I I I would hundred percent support that Woodsman's <laughs> pro tree hermit lifestyle and can see no wrongdoing in his actions. Unabomber's for the way, eh? So uh, Miss Richards is uh, Vince McMahon's let's say legal secretary i think she's just yeah. some kind of head of operations or something like that because she's, she's in charge of security as well as um a whole bunch of other things she's which is been... also known as the best of the independent wrestlers in the in wwe city to come and work as security guards fucking a she's designed as vince wet vince's wet dream basically it's like you know all those blonde big booby tiny girls in the 90s that couldn't really wrestle Trish. or whatever yeah i mean yeah um exposition 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 you know there's a bear uh <laughs> vince arrives uh vince employs these kids nice little touch uh to explore the mystery of the bear uh, more exposition about the bear and the belts being highly valued um and we can't have uh the bear getting to it they have to protect the belt from the bear is the idea right um i th- this I is something i was never logic entirely this clear bit. on I think yeah. that the, the bear has basically been doing damage all over. Um, like he, because at this point the bear has destroyed the sort of video game center and the bear has destroyed, I think the kitchen, and he's been he's been damaging WWE property for a long time. And I guess there is nothing more valuable than WWE City than that belt, not just in monetary value, but also because it is the the MacGuffin that WrestleMania is based around. So out of everything that needs to be protected, this is the most important thing. And so yeah, with, with all that rampant property damage, they think okay, we've got to. We absolutely can't let that property damage spill out into the belt. It's a shame they didn't take that as a whole approach for the belt in real WrestleManias, that it's the most important thing and the most prized possession, and it's what the show should be built around. Uh, yeah, it seems like saying... in this case, um, Scooby-Doo is, understands the championship a little bit better than um, <laughs> main programming WWE does. So with that massive positive, we get introduced to our Sin Cara character here. Now, it's it's not very realistic because he does flips and doesn't botch them, okay? But to me, uh, this is one question I want to ask. Is it a little bit racist <laughs> that every time he comes on screen, you get kind of generic Mexican music and all Sin Cara can do is kind of do a little jig and flip around a bit? Well, John Cena speaks Luchador, remember? Mm. Yeah. John Cena and is he's a... got a really fast car. <laughs> 
That is an interesting question. I mean, I think the flipping stuff is fine within the context of the fact he's he's a masked luchador and they are all about the flippy shit. Um, but are, are you basically but suggesting that mute. the are you suggesting that like the the Spanish guitar music is the equivalent of having a Chinese wrestler that's greeted with a gong every time he comes on screen? That's Pretty a good much, point, actually. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that, but um, yeah, I don't know, man. I really enjoyed uh, I really enjoyed the whole the whole game of him not being able to speak. And the joke of him only only being able to communicate through um, sort of high interpretive work. dance. Yeah, yeah. yeah I really. <laughs> There's liked it. one moment later in the film where they're kind of a, a, a um, an impasse almost in their plot, and they're just about to go into the next sequence or whatever. And then Sinkara just jumps out the thing and starts dancing, and John Cena just goes, "That's right, Sinkara," <laughs> and just continues to talk, <laughs> which I thought was hilarious. But this this initial bit, I was just like, "Oh, what's happening here? He's not even botching. That would be the good joke, <laughs> at least it was." But this isn't made for us. This is made for you know Scooby Doo fans, like, like kids essentially. It's a kids movie, you know. So no offense, Tom, but you know what I mean. It is. Hey, no, absolutely. So, so Tax, what was because. From from my recollection, this was a period in time where this movie was made back when the WWE still had big plans for Sin Cara. Like, what what was he up to back in 2014? He was wrestling under a lot of blue lights to start with. Mm, it's um, terrible. So again, as you said, they did have big plans for him. This was like the first marquee, what would have been NXT signing when they got Mystico. They had all the big thing that he's got his own cartoon in Mexico, and. It started to go a bit. Wait, hang on, Tom. Do you know the Sinkara history, like who Mystico is and such? Um, was Mystico? Did Mystico end up being Sinkara later on? They're the same person. So, yeah. so basically, what happened is uh, Mystico was one of the biggest names of CMWL. Like he was a huge star in Mexico. Uh, and he's part of a family that basically, like, Mexican wrestling is very, very incestuous. It's lots of cousins and uncles and siblings that book it that all wrestle under the same thing. So they have, like, you know, a group of guys all under masks that are all called, like, different things like Caristico, Mystico, Sincara, who are all, like, this brothers and cousins and this sort of shit. Um, so Mystico is, like, the top baby face in Mexico. And he came up to WWE. And like he used to be immaculate, like he would never botch. He would do these crazy moves. He would do these flying armbar sequences and stuff. He was incredible. And then he got an injury right before he came to WWE. Triple H signed him as like the guy who's going to be his major thing now. He's booking shit, whatever. And they pushed him to the moon with all these amazing gimmicks, like the trampoline, so he bounces into the ring, and the blue lights as he's wrestling to try and make him feel extra special. And he was shit. Yeah, the main the main story around this time was when it was going um against Sinkara Neg Dark. Yeah, we can't <laughs> say that. There's a joke there about what Spanish people would call the word black. No, I'm I'm aware of Sinkara N, yes. Yeah, yeah, good stuff. Sinkara <laughs> N and also his 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 friend from uh, OWE. Yeah, Torito N. These are very deep cut jokes. Don't worry. <laughs> um, but that and that was when they realised that Hunico, who was playing Sinkara N, um, was actually a better luchador for the WWE style. So they binned off the actual real original Sinkara under the masks, fired him, but kept the character because they owned the Sinkara name, wanted to sell the merch, and put Hunico underneath the uh, under the hood. Who was less botchy, but apparently a nightmare to deal with backstage. There's been many stories about his attitude and stuff. And his mate Camacho, who was a tag team with in NXT, was just left to to rot, basically. Poor yeah. Camacho. 
there's there's an amazing extension to this story where the guy who was Sinkara, who was also Mystico, went back to Mexico to wrestle after being fired by WWE or whatever, but someone else had become Sinkara. Sorry, Mystico. become Mystico. <laughs> so Sinkara went back to Mexico and couldn't be Mystico. <laughs> so he had to become Caristico. And then he teamed up with his essentially sibling or whatever. And then there's a third one who's part of the family. He's got a similar name. And then one of them went to the other Mexican promotion, which fucked it all up. So then this one became Mystico again. <laughs> it's just like so funny, man. Like it makes no sense. It's so dumb. Trying to make keep track of it is impossible. That's wonderful, man. Um, it makes you think. Do you think Vince, after the whole like replacing Sakura under the mask thing, do you think if Vince could retroactively go back in time and make uh, Diesel and Razor Ramon mask characters, would he do it so he could get away <laughs> with the fake thing a little better? Probably. <laughs> now Vince doesn't like masks, though, does he? Only that they sell money. Yeah, they they sell money. Sorry, they make money. And they also Dom, Dominic from Mysterio under one scene will know that he's okay with it again. Well, the beauty, I think, for the thing that Vince might like about it is the fact that it makes it much easier to own the character um, and be able to keep the character when the person goes, right? I'd love it if he just basically, when Ray retires, he puts the mask on Dominic and he just goes, No, that's Ray Mysterio. <laughs> Hang on, hasn't he grown? <laughs> no, that's always been Ray Mysterio. <laughs> Yep, we'll put the mask on Cain Velasquez and no one know the difference they'll look the same then <laughs> you know <laughs> so uh, coming back to our story here we get uh, Sin Cara's uh, basically history in Mexico of his granddaddy wrestling a bear and I'm like yeah so what Tracy Smothers did it Stu Hart did it it's just wrestling a bear you know <laughs> this is a fun little sequence but it's really unrealistic because Sin Cara does all this flipping around doesn't botch once so this was 35 minutes into the movie, and I will say they've crammed a shitload in so far, but I did have to take a little break to go get a cup of coffee, because I was like, we're not, we're not getting very far. It's just lots of exposition and talking and setting up, you know? I would have liked uh, a, bit, a few more punches, let's put it that way. It's where I tapped out on Sunday night. I got 37, 38 minutes in, and I was like, nope. Okay. <laughs> Turned it off and watched Entourage. <laughs> I feel like Tom's getting sadder the more we talk about this movie. <laughs> hey, it's um just just like or I guess just like um the WWE, it is a it is a Scooby Doo is a formulaic product, and for those I think who are really into the show, um there is uh, a kind of familiarity and comfort to be found in that formula, um and then for those who aren't, it can seem quite yeah, it can seem quite I guess unstructured at times. Um, so I totally get such it. Such a beautiful way with words. I love it. You make things. I thought this was kind of bad at this point, and you're just like they're convincing me. Like maybe it was okay. <laughs> I mean, I'm not... again, it's, I was going to say, as you said, with the structure, we've established non-recurring characters. We've been introduced to our ghost. We've got what Shaggy and Scooby are going to be in peril with, and now the next half of the film is going to be rectifying that and finding out who is behind the ghost. Yeah, we'll get I... onto how we see the whole thing when we get to the end okay we've got to save something for the end let's I move do, on let's move on, I go, go on sorry i just i do get your point i think there is something that is about to happen that maybe should have happened at the at the end of act one point rather than the point it did i feel like there's there's a there's an escalation that maybe should have occurred already that might have made um <laughs> might have helped you stick around a little bit longer their tax <laughs> <laughs> okay 
So Scooby and Shaggy eat a shitload of pizza and we get a kind of bit of a mulligan with Fred going off to take photos of the ghost bear. So he puts it, fire demon bear, just remember, okay? So <laughs> I'll do like a drum roll and build up to the joke when I get to it. <laughs> uh, Scooby sees, um, oh, well, I-, I thought you might like this, Tom. I wrote this joke and then I'm just about drunk enough to n- not explain that I'm going to say it beforehand. So, so Scooby sees the question collector blue and purple orbs in the sky. <laughs> Thank you, man. Thank you for that super niche reference. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The cops and Miss Richards, uh, we saw earlier, uh, confront Scooby and Shaggy. Uh, The belt apparently has been stolen, boys. Oh, (gasps) no. I was like, finally, a punch. So I should have just kept going because this is like the the axis point of the film almost. So the the cops come into their room uninvited i'll point out dirty bastard american cops at least they didn't shoot them you know (laughs) that's a good thing uh scooby has this strap around his waist scooby what are you doing mate stole the belt what a dick it's good because he wasn't wearing pants i don't want to see giblets on my pg film (laughs) that's the way he stole it (laughs) (laughs) i lost my pants being chased by the the fire demon bear so i need to cover up so, Scooby can't have stolen it. He's never been a criminal before, apparently. Logic. That's how crime works, right? Yes. That's, well, there's, there, there are some, there's, there's, a, there's a fundamental misunderstanding of how crime and the law works. I think it's the next ten minutes are all huge <laughs> um, legal snafus. But I guess they're not real cops, right? Because they have the WWE logo on their, on their badges. I think oh, I they're WWE know, City Police. Okay, fair and enough. they're bound by wrestling law, which is... Yeah, a bit, bit more relaxed. <laughs> I guess we're getting to. So, uh, Scooby does a whole Tom Cruise sequence, like in a dream sequence. I think it is where he does the whole, like you know, Mission Impossible coming and dancing around the lasers. And they've, oh, they've got a video, don't they? That's what it is. Yeah, they've got CCTV of Scooby stealing the belt with all this kind of laser stuff. So we get sad Kara rather than Sing Kara. He's a very sad boy. You can tell because he does this with his face. Even though he's wearing a mask. It's great for audio podcasts. Uh, Scooby gets arrested. Off to dog prison, I guess. You know. Um, so the gang have to go Can save Scooby. Can he do that, Joey? That's a fair point. Yeah, absolutely. So the gang do the here's where we explain why you're an idiot bit from the cartoons. Really, really fun. Uh, Scooby's been uh, post-hypnotically programmed. Tom, do you want to explain that one to me? So isn't the idea that the... The victory dance sequence that he has to perform in front of the motion WWE game that he plays at the start, the moves in that sequence are Which they've designed... just gone tap, by the way. They recorded the video, obviously. <laughs> yes, which is, seems like a massive infringement of privacy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, that move sequence happens to be the exact sequence of movements you need to get through the laser security system guarding the belt. I thought it was that they were so different that they knew it wasn't Scooby because he danced differently. Wasn't that the idea? Well, he danced the same. He danced the same. Basically, the, the dance, oh, the dance sequence just you have to learn right in over game. my head. I'm way too dumb for this film. <laughs> yeah, the dance sequence you have to learn in the game is is basically it's 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 subliminally training you to do the precise movements you need to avoid all the lasers. So he was so basically by this logic, it's Vince's fault because it's his game. Oh yeah, that's the law problem, really. That yeah, they should not be arresting him for being brainwashed. Nor should they also be arresting Shaggy because he owns the game. It's like me borrowing a mate's gun, shooting you, and then the mate going to jail with me because he bought the gun in the first place. Um, 
Because okay. that's that's why that's, <laughs> that's, about that. that's why Shaggy's also in trouble. He said, "Well, it's your game, so you're an accomplice." Um, yeah, the whole logic of why uh, Scooby yeah. gets taken to wrestling jail or whatever is is the biggest um, plot hole, I think, in this entire film. The next it also makes what they have when Velma goes on to say that. Um, so obviously, you can see it wasn't Scooby. It's like he danced exactly the same. <laughs> They, they put it next to Sinkara doing these moves as well. So I'm like, does Sinkara play the game? Is he Scooby? I'm very confused. Well, it's the Sinkara is the Sinkara they put it next to is the in-game Sinkara that Scooby was controlling at the oh. start of the film. <laughs> That's where I've got lost. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, brilliant, cool. <laughs> so the next bit is incredible logic. It's just fucking brilliant. So this is just so Vince. It's unbelievable. Vince tells us the law is that if you break the law, you can have a match in the ring. So trial by combat, right? To prove your innocence. I'm like, someone call the mountain or Kane in this case, because this is perfect. Trial by combat is the way forward, right? I think that's wonderful, man. It's, I feel that's the, the, the best bit of uh, sort of, wrestling inspired world building in this whole show the idea that because that's the beauty of, of professional wrestling right is that no matter what your dispute or feud is whether it's sort of personal or like monetary or whatever um <laughs> it's always settled in the ring that's the whole thing right with with pro wrestling is everything is settled with a fight um no matter how stupid um and i, I love that i love that law i love the fact that in wwe city um everything can be settled with a fight whether you stole someone's car or you know they're angry because you make a they get a better spaghetti sauce and then like everything is settled. Everything is settled with a fight. I love Wasn't that. Wasn't that the Booker T Christian feud for WrestleMania that he's supposed oh, to get? Oh, Booker T was a hair hair product thing. Oh, that's the one. <laughs> so it's legitimately happened. <laughs> I'm pretty sure as well that this is why Retribution are kicking off because they didn't get the opportunity when Scooby just walked into a WrestleMania main event. Retribution has been ignored down in NXT. <laughs> Outrageous. Sorry, Slapnuts, Mackie and whatever T-Bumder or whatever they've called them. They sound like villains from the Biker Mice from Mars. <laughs> yeah, Modo Vinian Throttle's sibling offspring. <laughs> God, all their little Bane mask. It gets the trigger! Fight the trigger! Sorry. <laughs> and uh, there's Mercedes Martinez and Mia Yim, but we decided not to ruin their careers just yet and <laughs> give them uh, shitty names. It's not great. So the point here is that the gang either have to prove that Shaggy and Scooby are innocent or it's trial by combat. <laughs> you have to get in the ring. Great little setup. So uh, our side characters from early, Cookie and... Ruben. 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 Thank you very much, guys. Obviously memorable. Um, <laughs> come in their pickup truck and they're here to help. Also, a very saucy AJ Lee joins them. She's uh, very seducive to start with, at least. Very typical WWE diva. She's never lying about being a diva, doesn't she? Don't ever underestimate a diva or something? Yeah, yeah. don't underestimate a diva. And then they do the whole training Rocky montage thing. So the guys, um, Scooby and Shaggy training, which genuinely got a couple of laughs out of me. They're terrible at everything. They do the rowing machine and they get flung forward <laughs> through the wall or whatever. Like, like It's one of the rare bits where I actually laughed and giggled. So yeah. Do you have cool. flashbacks to episode 50? <laughs> Very much so. Where we did wrestling <laughs> training and I basically puked my guts up as how I felt. I didn't actually puke. No, no very no. close to it though. <laughs> they made jokes about me puking a lot pricks. <laughs> is he alright? yeah I'm sure he's going to be alright should we go and check on him? nope <laughs> what did you say? I said um, 
oh, can I go blow my nose? And when I'm out the room, the camera's still recording, they're going to go, he's going to go blow his nose <laughs> out through his guts. <laughs> Piece of shit. So AJ Lee, uh, awful music accompanies this. Lighting up. But um, the montage is genuinely hilarious. What do we think, boys? Enjoy it? Made me want to go back and watch her work shoot promo on the uh, on the women's division when Total Divas was released. You can't even lace my Chuck Taylors. No, neither can you because they're hung over Punk's bed. Fair enough. <laughs> AJ Lee is massively underrated though. She was fucking awesome. She'd yeah, be most... insanely brilliant now in current with the current crop of women's talent they've got to wrestle. Sure. I just realised that um, thinking of this, these peripheral group of wrestlers we haven't mentioned yet and Please edit this out if I'm getting the radio flow of things, but we haven't talked about the Funkasaurus. Oh, no, we haven't. Cause, oh, uh, with the really bad Naomi and Cameron for the dancing as well. It's like, we can't put Naomi and Cameron in, so we should put two generic ladies dancing with Broda's Clay. Didn't even realise. Like He has those one-liners where it's like going, oh, yeah, Scooby, I agree. <laughs> you just jump to the next bit. <laughs> and I was like, I'm not writing that down. Normally with the word funk in it, he'll just respond by going, funkadelic or... But it's always like, you know how like conversation naturally flows? Like you listen to our podcast, any podcast, it goes from one person to the next. You know how John Cena's lines in this movie are very much, he's recorded those in isolation and you can kind of tell they're recorded in isolation. Like Brodus Clay is the biggest offender of this in this whole movie. <laughs> There's no context of his tone of voice, of his cadence, like anything. It's it's terrible. Just me? Phoning um, it in. <laughs> I I feel like I know. I I, w- I was happy to see the Funkasaurus gimmick. I know that he's sure. I enjoyed the gimmick. Don't get me wrong. It's that it's not that he's not trying. It's that I don't think he's capable. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. Fair enough. I. I've, pretty much everything he says is just funk something something in response to something else. Funkadelic with a hand gesture was always seemed to be the thing that he'd do. Funk is on a roll. It makes me think of that <laughs> like that. that. The bit with the, from The Simpsons when Krusty goes to the recording studio and records all his lines for this um, doll in like 10 seconds and then leaves. Just reads them one by one more and goes. I imagine it was <laughs> a, very, a very quick job for um, yeah. for Brodus there. Okay, Krusty, we're ready for you now. <laughs> oh, he's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so, the kid from the pickup truck. Ruben. Ruben. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> New gimmick is he's the bone bender. And I'm not sure you want to call yourself that on our podcast. <laughs> that's what Melina was backstage. <laughs> oh, that's so mean, but so funny. So, um, what have we got here? Blah, 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 blah. So, hey, gang, off to the woods for some reason. Uh, they're going to go search for the bear, right? Of course, they don't have trial by combat. Yeah, absolutely, because they need to go prove that the, the bear is blah, 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 blah. So our lovely militia men in the forest, our Unabomber, uh, with the shotgun blast, uh, creates a rock fall from the surrounding hills. And we get a full Indiana Jones sequence with the rolling rock and having to run away from it. Um, But to the rescue, Yababoo! <laughs> and his name is John Cena! To the rescue. Uh, it's pretty funny. And then he makes this joke about hillbilly hospitality. And I'm like, that's my joke. <laughs> I make those jokes. Not you, John Cena. Uh, it's fun isn't it big match John living up to expectation it's it's cool seeing it's cool seeing the wrestlers perform these feats of superhuman strength as well I think 
it's something it's a tone that's kind of set right at the start when uh when Cena lifted up the wagon uh, even before that when when Miz and the bear lock up um and then Miz's knee um connects to the ground and cracks the concrete um i think sort of sort of that moment on it kind of sets up the idea that these within the context of this film these there is something not supernatural but sort of superhuman about the wrestlers that they they do are able to perform these incredible feats of strength which are beyond what ordinary people can do and that's kind of fun i i like how the like the cartoon format lets these lets the wrestlers be these kind of modern day titans um rather than um as as my friend adam once put it uh um two stakes being shaken in a tupperware box which is what <laughs> <laughs> i like the phrase but what fucking movie were you watching <laughs> like it's just John Cena being John Cena, surely. But it's it's stuff like well, st- stuff like Mrs. Knee on the. Oh, when when in the real world has because this is something which like they've done relatively recently with Strowman, right? They've tried to get Strowman doing some of these impossible feats of strength to set him up as a genuine monster. Sure, uh, I, I I liked I liked seeing that stuff in this film. I liked the idea that there is something because um, you know Vel- Velma makes the comparison to like ancient Greek wrestling or something but ancient the combat sports in the ancient world I just I just I like the idea of these these wrestlers being genuinely larger than life generally like more than just um an excellent athlete they're being something yeah just something slightly superhuman about them I enjoyed I'm astonished how much you got from this movie I'm very impressed <laughs> <laughs> that's not my first time watching it <laughs> <laughs> So the gang wander into the Batcave. There's an audible gulp. It's brilliant. It's really nicely done. It's proper, very comical stuff. Um, <laughs> so there's a hideout in the, the cave. I've written cages. Sorry, it took me a second. Cave. Uh, John Cena knows what an EMP is, apparently. And I'm like, John Cena impressing us here with the technology. Like, he's got some knowledge on him at this point. Um, so they find an EMP, which is, you know, takes out all the electricity and such. Uh, there's a calendar with the words R.I.P. WWE on it. The future is nigh, apparently. Another retribution gimmick. <laughs> Fucking A. So, I mean, it's typical Scooby stuff, isn't it? You know, you've got to find the hideout of the evil villain or whatever, right? Yeah. Cool. But from out of nowhere, it's our fine demon, demon, oh, fuck's sake, fire demon bear who bangs up John Cena and the gang leg it because apparently they don't care about Cena anymore. They're just like, ah, he'll die. You know, first time fine. Cena sold in years. <laughs> <laughs> he sold this good, actually. So we get this chase through the caves. And I'm going to be honest, the animation here is fucking beautiful. It's really, really fun. It's like jumps from caves to cave and the caves scan across and you get depth of field and one person goes down a waterfall and pops up the other side and such. It's really fun and it's got the whole the whistles and all the traditional Scooby-Doo stuff. So I quite like this bit. I thought it was fun. Yeah, I like um, when they first enter the cave too, you get that nice bit with the uh, the bioluminescent centipedes and the bugs in the foreground kind of establishing like, okay, this is this is our light source for the rest of this cave sequence. We've got these glowing bugs which will help us see what's going on. Um, yeah, I, I like I love the palette of it. Um, and yeah, I I must agree. I had the same feeling. Like, are they just are they just going to leave Cena there to die? That seems <laughs> all right. If he dies, he dies. <laughs> Don't worry, tax. It's a movie reference. So <laughs> the gang end up back at this hangout some somehow. The cave. The what do we call it? The the bad guys lair. Yeah, I think Lair's probably fine. Secret lab. That's where he's got his his like gizmos and his um, is it oxygen tanks? 
Yeah, there was all sorts of weird shit around. I think he borrowed it from Doctor Claw, voiced by Frank Welker, by the way, Doctor Claw. Ah, there we okay. go. So it's it's a kind of odd in that when they arrive at this cave initially, they kind of walk five meters and they find the layer, and then they run around for ten minutes essentially, and then end up back at the layer again. I was like, yeah, okay, we'll just skip over that logic, but it's fine. Um, so uh, we get a rubber dinghy rapids ride. This is really really fun. Like through the caves and how they escape. Uh, Shaggy and Scooby-Doo are riding John Cena. <laughs> and there's a bear involved. Just need a couple of twinks and a twonk with their baby. <laughs> okay, jokes? No? No one? Okay, cool. <laughs> Let's move on. <laughs> uh, the gang escape via a grate into WWE City. Ah, everything is connected. It's all starting to map together now. Indeed. Mm. So the gang chatted Miss Richards again. Do lots of exposition. Lots of exposition. Uh, racist depiction of Mexicans in Cara jumping in. The gang go to, to uh, set up a trap at WrestleMania. And it's time for your WrestleMania main event of the evening. As in the show that kind of tails off the film. Um, by the way, this whole middle section was started to get me more into this. The intro was a bit like, eh, okay. Middle bit, I was kind of like, okay, we're just finally kicking off. We've got a plot going. I'm enjoying There's lots of silly sequences and such. Uh, and now we're kind of leading into our third act, pretty much. Like, what are you guys thinking coming into this third act? Uh, a lot of clock watching. <laughs> just weren't into it at all. Uh, I, well, I was looking forward to the main event. You know, how are we going to resolve this? Who are we going to give the belt to? I didn't see what was coming. <laughs> I think um, we know how Tom feels about it. <coughs> I, I, you know, I, I generally like this film. I, I do get, I do what you mean though. I think the, I think the first act of this film is a little, well, not too long, but I think, yeah, that that inciting incident, that sort of the, the stakes being raised once um, Scooby gets arrested by WWE cops. I feel like that needed to happen earlier just to keep the momentum going a bit, because it is just a bunch of subsequent events until that point. Really, there isn't really anything. Being, anything other than the fact that the bear is a threat and it's doing bad stuff um but yeah i mean i i think they set up this i think it's nice um that that the third act the third act of this movie is wrestlemania i think that's a nice a nice thing so over the loudspeakers we we cut into the arena at this point i will say the setup for this was better than their wrestlemania setup for the last couple of years <laughs> it looks really <laughs> good so that's what i'm saying remember the giant pleather ramp thing they had couple of WrestleManias oh, that was horrible. Ago. Yeah. Oh, so it's just one screen across the whole top and like a pleather kind of glossy ramp and it started raining and it's just, oh, it was terrible. Anyway, so we get Kane versus Skinny Man and Dead Meat. <laughs> that was quite a funny <laughs> joke. Of obviously Shaggy and Scooby. Um so we get um the dad of the guys in the pickup truck was named Cookie. Uncle Cookie. I remembered his name giving us the special stuff Space Jam speech, which I thought was quite fun. Just Shaggy and Scooby backstage. Uh, Kane pops in and does fire and brimstone. Uh, then there's some progress fans that shout out the wrestlers in the ring. And apparently... <laughs> <laughs> Just shit, no progress fans at any opportunity. Uh, and apparently four women got together to watch this show at home. So no sense of reality with this movie whatsoever. Those four women, man. <laughs> Those four women are actually... Um... So there's a cartoon that was out at the same time that Warner Brothers made called Young Justice, which okay. is about, it's a superhero team. It's all the sidekicks from the Justice League forming a superhero team, calling themselves Young Justice. Those four dames are all um, 
they're all names. Yeah, they're they're all uh, characters from Young Justice. There's like Miss Martian, Artemis. Um, I can't remember the other two, but those are the exact character models from a very popular Warner Brothers show that was around at the same time. Warner Brothers cartoon show. That's who was those Sid Justice are. like their Zord on? Uh, <laughs> Justice. <laughs> uh, I I tried to mix Power Rangers and Sid Justice in there, and it did not go well for me. Please, if there is every Power Rangers Sid Justice crossover, I am there. <laughs> <laughs> Jason David Frank and CM Punk still needs to happen in a cage. That's what I'm saying. I mean, Give me the Green Ranger and Punk in a cage. There was rumors about that happening. Yeah, he, he's a good fighter, right? Jason David Frank. He's. Um, I mean, he killed all those it? massive monsters and shit. I mean, he yeah, blows on that little trumpet thing, and he can just kill anyone. But did, did, didn't he train in MMA for a while, Jason David Frank? Uh, he's got. He's pretty good. To yeah, be fair, so does right. CM Punk, and he's fucking terrible. So, you know. But who made more money in MMA? <laughs> that's true this is me talking i did one summer of jiu-jitsu was just like i'm way too fat for this (laughs) so i can't fucking talk so vince comes out first welcomes us to the show uh the wwe championship belts comes out on its own little pope mobile thing it's great uh scooby and shaggy make their entrance with comedy music and that's gotta be kane but michael cole's on commentary so boo uh benny hill around the ring lots of wrestling spots there's lots lots and lots of stuff packed into this so i'm skipping over quite a lot of it if there's anything you'd like to mention now be the time boys not exactly catches catch can style wrestling in a main event of wrestlemania <laughs> but the fans were eating it up it's very scooby-doo they do manage to get some genuine nice spots in as well as the the scooby-doo staple of a monster running at the gang with his arms out trying to grab them <laughs> which is classic scooby-doo but um, in this case, it's Kane rather than the guy dressed as a lumberjack or something. But he's basically just almost at a 90 degree angle bent over, just literally trying to swipe them up in his big arms, um, sure. which is I think it's nice. They managed to do a basically do a Scooby-Doo monster chase sequence entirely within the squared circle. I think that's quite clever. So we get to this. I was going to say because this is I was going to say. So this is, is this was this like is it the 22nd or 24th? movie-ish feature of a scooby-doo franchise to therefore be having i said like the formulaic monster chase but he said being able to have it in the confines of a ring to actually be able to pull it off in the surroundings they had was you know quite well thought out to keep it within the scooby-doo genre within the fandom but also to use the ring for the wrestling fans who are watching it because it had wwe attached yeah i think it's i think it's a nice moment where they managed to where they managed to take a Scooby-Doo, like a Scooby-Doo trope um, and actually have it in a wrestling context rather just say, oh, you know, they're, they're still there. They may be, they're chased by a monster in a cave, but they're being chased by a monster in a cave in order to solve a mystery related to wrestling. They're actually, I feel like this is the point, this is the act in the movie where um, they're actually trying to do stuff for wrestling fans rather than just pay a bit of lip service to WWE characters, I feel. Sure, I'd agree with that, yeah. There's lots of high spots thrown into it. It's it's all action. It's good fun, you know. I mean, there's, it's so, a good work rate, man. It's better than a lot of it's better than a lot of matches <laughs> I've seen on Raw recently. So we jump back into the plot almost after this kind of fun sequence of them wrestling came, and it's basically about whether this belt is real because Daphne has this theory that the belt is made from iron and is not the actual belt. I didn't quite get how she worked this out. Can anyone explain this to me? She's a smart cookie. But how would she know to check? I think I think they basically they've checked absolutely everywhere in WWE City for the belt. I'm um, sorry. And yeah, I think they checked everywhere to try and find the EMP. That's right. And the only place they haven't checked, essentially, I think she has like a brainwave like, oh, shit. What if it's in the belt? 
I think that's what it is. I think she basically just has like a light bulb moment <laughs> and then she wants to test a theory. I think that's it. Not in Vince's ass or like, you know. <laughs> that is, there's already so much stuff up there right now. I don't think there's any room for a belt. <laughs> Fucking A, man. So the belt is made of iron, not gold. So it's not the real belt. It's the iron belt. And we've got trial by combat going on. So everything is connected. This is Game of Thrones. It's better than the fucking ending of Game of Thrones. Jesus Christ. So anyway, so Cena's slingshot scab, uh, sh- or scabby? Shaggy and uh, into the belt, into Scoob. So the belt is a bomb? The belt has the EMP in it. So I think what Cena's trying to do is basically launch the belt out of the arena so that when the EMP goes off, it doesn't shut down the power and black out WrestleMania. I very much lost track here. I'm going to be honest. I, just <laughs> I like, think that's, just I think that's fair. what happens. Okay. <laughs> The power goes out. Sabu! It's not Sabu. Uh, no, it's just the bloody fire demon bear thing. The fans panic, as you might expect. But, you know, let's not panic the general public, eh? Something about Trump. Joke, joke, joke. Anyway, so it's, it's okay. It's some random jobbers and the gang have some green flares. And then Brodus Clay delivers another terrible line. <laughs> yeah, that's so. the The EMP is the thing. The, the EMP is the thing that shuts out the power. And like he's seen as trying to catapult it out, but it collides with Scooby, stays in the ring, and then when it goes off, that's when it shuts the power out. So, so you know how all the jobbers and the wrestlers around the ring, the kind of B characters, let's say, yeah, will have these green flares and they put them up in the aisleways. Yeah. The fans are like, oh, we can see now. Yeah, a flare doesn't generate that much light right and surely they'd be like concerned that there's no power anymore and suddenly there's wrestlers with flares i know i'm trying to put logic to something that doesn't necessarily need logic first of all it's, don't it's ever choice. downplay a wrestling event when the power goes out you've never seen oh. so many resourceful wrestlers at that show that i was at when the power went out biggest a, pop i've ever had the footage of will power singing his own music as he's doing yeah. his entrance <laughs> yeah it's yeah. one of my favorite clips ever it's really funny that sounds incredible man what happened uh, we we would. Uh, it was in February. It was our last show before the plague hit, and it was one of the the big storms in the um the venue were and the power went out at the interval, so the venue basically came over to the promoters like we're happy for you to stay as long as everyone stays in here, and they let us carry on the show, but with no lights, no music, no live mic. So what was essentially going to be a potential end of career last run moment for me on a live microphone end up with no entrance music i had playing it off my phone <laughs> firing confetti cannons to no music if they weren't near enough to my phone to hear the entrance music i can't believe i was working this day so i missed this I would that sounds incredible there. man yeah see this is what real wrestling is about <laughs> uh, and again yeah the the fans who stayed stuck with it i uh, they helped everyone they were really into it and you know so wrestling fans understand shows with no uh no lights bringing it back to the movie fair point fair point so, drum roll, please. <laughs> you don't actually have to do it. So, Shaggy encourages Scooby to do the video game to take on Kane. So, he does the whole dance sequence he does. Uh, and then there's a demon bear running around at the loose at the back. Uh, shouldn't someone be calling animal control or, you know, Gandalf? Hey! It's not even funny. <laughs> what? Why, why Gandalf? Because <laughs> he's a fire demon. So Gandalf is the one that's like, you shall not pass, you know, fire demons. Oh, this is like a Balrog joke. <laughs> oh, man. 
<laughs> it's all about setting up a joke the whole way through the podcast that you know is terrible. So when you get to it, I, you I get have that reaction. <laughs> I haven't seen a move that oversold since Shawn Michaels, man. Yeah, I know I'm the best, aren't I? <laughs> <laughs> so they hit the power generators, and Triple H pulls a giant lever. Jesus! I had to get that in. Uh, they trap the bear. Uh, the bender is here, Campley, to grab with the bear. The bone bender? Yeah, yeah, sorry. Anyway, um, oh, fuck, I've lost track completely. Uh, the bear <laughs> makes its way to the ring, and Cole on commentary calls this new match a cage match, even though it's got a fucking roof, so it's blatantly a hell in a cell. Michael Cole's the worst commentator ever. Uh, so it's a four-on-one hell in a cell match. It's a fire demon ghost bear thing uh, versus... Oh, who is it? It's Sinkara, Cena, Shaggy, and Scooby. And there's also there's a there's a fifth member in there as well. Who's the fifth member? Kane. Kane is still in the cage. Oh, of course. Oh, yeah, he is. But he's out at this point, isn't he? Um, he's out cold. But um, he's, he's still, still there. there. He's still there. <laughs> so the bear sells us like a boss to me. <laughs> 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 The four women we saw earlier high five at home while watching re- wrestling. Ridiculous. Um, Sc- Scooby wakes up Kane. Kane fucks up the bear. Uh, everyone go gangs up on the bear. Poor misunderstood bear. Uh, Poor Sc- Katie Vick bear. There's <laughs> a little bit of it. Scooby hits a 450, a delayed 450, jumps in the air, waits, does the spin, then falls. Gangster. Really cool spot. Uh, the cell and the ring ex- implode. Team abusing animals win via death. It was not great for 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 ghost bears today. <laughs> no, he did not no, have a good time. It's it's a it's a bad day in the annals of ghost bears for sure. <laughs> sure, the they're, they're, lost loads of money. <laughs> they're, 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 I think the the only time a ghost bear ever had a shot at the title, and this is what happens. I mean, he doesn't even get an offensive maneuver in the cell match at all. It's literally a squash. Four this is what they say about Vince McMahon. Five, Institutionalized sorry. racism to bears. <laughs> They're never going to win the belt in, the, in our lifetime. What are young bears going to do? Young bears <laughs> don't have a role model. He does He does manage to intercept. Isn't there a point where Sin Cara and Cena both basically try to do like a, a springboard something on the bear and he intercepts them both midair? And that's when... Because I think the bear manages to beat back everybody and that's when Kane wakes up and turns the tide. Which I popped for, by the way, <laughs> like the <laughs> like the cane, um, like the cane mark that I am. I yeah, H- him sort of waking up and tackling that bear, probably, probably my, I say second biggest pop of the film. First being when so when Cena comes out of the the water as a as a raft. Um, oh, where they ride Cena down the yeah. waterfall. Yeah, the rubber dinghy rapid Cena. It's the best. So um, <clears throat> so um, the gang win. The bears lost, so trial by combat is all right. So Scooby and Shaggy are innocent at this point; they're off scot free, right? Obviously, so, standard. But it's Scooby Doo, so we've got to do the last sequence. You got to unmask the bear. And uh, what's the line that Fred always says? Let's see who this bear is, or something. I don't know. He says the line. Uh, the dad from the pickup truck is the bear, guys. It's Cookie. Oh no! Didn't see that coming. <laughs> He would have got away with it if it hadn't been for those Dad, meddling don't kids. Don't you fucking dare! That's the end of the <laughs> podcast, Tax. We're not there yet. 
too late. Really? It's canon <laughs> now. Ah, <laughs> oh, you bastard. You dropped it. You stole my spot. <laughs> I've already used it twice. <laughs> oh, anyway. So they do the Midsummer's Murders, explain the explanation thing, who did what and everything. Uh, Cena takes the belt off Cookie. Poor bear. And, uh, you know, I wouldn't have got away with it. Midland kids. That's a good <laughs> dickhead. <laughs> so roll the credits. That's it. Anything else you want to throw out there in terms of, like, you know, the end I of the have, movie? I have some interesting factoids for you, Tom. And as a Scooby-Doo fan, I'm, I'm hoping this, again, research for this film is going to play uh, wonders. You put more you. effort into this than our usual podcasts. <laughs> I know, we had a guest <laughs> and I was on video, so I had to make it look like I'd made notes. Rather than <laughs> had my daughter watch it and just she'd go, hey, see enough. Um, <laughs> the Mystery Machine license plate was first used in Scooby-Doo Abracadabra-Doo. I haven't. And the box. <laughs> Did you just go on Wikipedia? <laughs> No, no, I've done my research in this, don't you worry. And the Scooby-Doo snack box for the uh, Scooby Snacks was also first used in um, Abracadabra-Doo. Did you know what happened when this movie aired on Cartoon Network? I don't. It wasn't called the um, WrestleMania Mystery. It was called the WWE Mystery and Superstar Mania. Was that like a copyright thing or? Again, my research doesn't actually dig deep. I just find facts and don't bother following them up to see if they're factually accurate. But th- that feels like, that's interesting, man. It feels like there's like something changed, I guess, um, from when the film was first released in DVD. They couldn't use the term WrestleMania anymore. I wonder if it's to do with who had licensing with which TV network and wondering where Cartoon Network was. And from a merchandise standpoint, and as a Scooby-Doo fan and a wrestling fan, I'd be disappointed if you didn't have these. (laughs) Mattel released uh, two action figure double packs, including Scooby with either John Cena and Sin Cara, or or Sin Cara, so you had Scooby and one or the other. They they released t-shirts for WrestleMania Mystery. They had a red carpet premiere in New York, which was in intense with all the wrestlers who voiced themselves. Um, Cena didn't turn up to this. <laughs> but Sin Cara did. Was he masked? Um, he must I... have been masked. Oh, of course, yeah. I, be- I bet he bought and, uh... something as he walked in. <laughs> <laughs> and Scooby-Doo, as a costume performer, appeared on the Raw before Mania to essentially shill the Blu-ray and um, led to Sin Cara fighting Damien Sandow. Yeah, I remember that match. That I remember that match with Scooby Ringside. Um, yeah, I, I don't remember you know this what? at all. M- m- I guess I have two questions. One, um, Sin Cara turned up the red carpet. I, I mean, it's not like he went into the recording booth for this. It's not like Sin Cara did a piece <laughs> any, any work whatsoever for this movie. Um, but also, I think I don't own those toys, but I think the one that really appeals to me is the idea of the Sin Cara from this movie because I really want this Sin Cara to have been... This This is the Sin Cara we deserved, not the Sin Cara yeah, we sure. got. But, um, one with ability and didn't fall over yeah, all the time. The, the Sin Cara character in this movie, I think, is great. Like, I love I love the, the sort of the, the R2-D2-esque thing where only John Cena can understand what his beeps and boops mean. Um, I, I, think, I think they do a really good job of communicating his wrestling style in the matches I, I love the bit where he's just sliding around the uh the ghost bed like delivering like open palms and kicks uh yeah i think i would consider owning the sin figure because i i wish this was the sin we had i really do 
Well, WWE owns Sin Cara. Uh, they must do, right? They do, yeah. Yeah. So you never know. It might still be available. I doubt it because I think even no. Hunico is gone now, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So they don't but have I'd Sin also, Cara anymore. Also, from a wrestling standpoint, uh, in this movie, twice John Cena's moves were called by Michael Cole, vintage John Cena, <laughs> twice during the five knuckle shuffle. And it enraged me. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what, is, John Cena. what is so enraging about that? Michael Cole, sir. It's because it's Michael Cole. We hear his voice and you just want to stab people, you know. <laughs> just, just All I'm going that. to say now is when Retribution debut and he just says in the first week, oh, that's vintage slap pack. Vintage <laughs> flat pack. Straight away. It's not, it's not vintage. The lads in Retribution have now got contracts because they can do whatever they want now. Hang on. It's just many plot lines of plot flaws in bloody Scooby-Doo. <laughs> you know what, man? Those those interviews um, Michael Cole did, um, they're sort of uh, like two camera one-on-one ones, like the like like the one he did with Heyman after... The ones the that JR did better. Um, you know what? I, I think they're good, man. I genuinely, I, I genuinely can't tell how much of what is wrong with Michael Cole is Vince's fault. I feel like... I don't know. I, I I feel like stop ruining think... my running gag. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and also, I don't know as a as a cane mark. Had he set fire to Jr., there was sympathy. Had he set fire to Michael Cole, he would have turned babyface straight away. He's burning Michael Cole. <laughs> I think that's fair. I think that's a fair comment. <laughs> so this movie, uh, I think it started a bit of shit. I'm going to be honest. When you three guys are Miz, Triple H, and Kane, I was a bit like, eh. but then I liked the fire demon bear shit, you know, ghost bear, whatever. And I like all the silly Scooby stuff. I thought that was a lot of fun. The middle piqued my interest. And I thought the third act was pleasantly silly and fun. Like, I really, really enjoyed it. How do you guys feel about this tax as a whole? The main event was better than this year's Mania. And I'm going to leave it like that. Hmm, I don't know about Ooh. that. There's some good stuff on this year's Mania. The main event was better than Brock versus Drew. I mean, it was longer. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I look for sometimes in wrestling. Um, yeah, it was there. Sin Cara. It was I, there. I like the fact- <laughs> Best compliment of something ever. It was there. Sin Cara, Brodus Clay, Santino <laughs> Morella, all the big tipper top stars. <laughs> Randy Orton was shitting in someone's handbag at that time, so he (laughs) couldn't be booked for it. Was doing like the Marine Five or something at that time. Mm. I can't believe they got Santino, man. What a what a what a what a a get! (laughs) Two lines in the whole movie, maybe, (laughs) maybe, maybe more. I'm trying to think of the moment Santino's. I didn't mention him this whole podcast. I think. I feel like he damaged the film's credibility by being there. (laughs) He did the. Serpent thing, what's it called? Cobra. Cobra. The Cobra. <sighs> yeah, and the opening sequence I, I, I wonder, screws over a jobber. I, I wonder if it was one of the things that negotiated into another contract. That I, and I want to do a movie. Okay, you can do a movie. <laughs> do we think Sin Cara got paid for an appearance fee on this? No, because it's not him. It's his <laughs> likeness, and he didn't even say anything. It was just the WWE Lucha character. <laughs> it's not until you pointed out, I was like, oh yeah, why would he get paid for this movie? when santino's backstage going i got paid more than you oh yeah sure oh man when 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 santino marilla is um higher up the pecking chain than you are man that's that's a sorry place to be 
Sin Cara's in the movie a shitload more than <laughs> Santino, but uh, well, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, I, 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 lo- I genuinely liked Sin Cara in this film. Um, I think he was one of the highlights of the action sequences. Sure. Don't see Santino with a dual pack Mattel toy of Scooby Doo, do you? <laughs> so here on this lovely podcast of ours, uh, we rate stuff in as cornflakes. Okay, not stars because we're not Dave Meltzer, but it's the same rating system. Uh, I think no, definitely isn't. Whatever. So I gave this two because I was like, there's moments I enjoyed, but it didn't really pique my interest much. How about yourself, thanks? I'm going with two purely because. The actual animation of everything, how it all blended together, was really, really good. I, the music, as you said, was fine throughout. It was, it was a classic History. Scooby-Doo filtering in WWE characters. Cool. I'm assuming this is five for you, Tom, right? Um, it's I would say three. Um, okay, three stars. It is a it is a solid Scooby-Doo movie that I think, although it is clearly aimed at Scooby-Doo fans to introduce them to WWE, still has enough bits and bobs in there um which like i can enjoy as a wrestling fan as well um the only reason it's not getting four is because it's definitely not a five-star movie and there are scooby-doo films i've enjoyed more than this one but a solid what's three be- what's, what's the best scooby-doo movie ever go on the best well curse of the speed demon the sequel is better than wrestlemania mystery um <laughs> okay. is that a wwe one as well yeah it's this, yep. it's it's um it's got the undertaker in it the undertaker is I think you have to watch that film only because you will never see The Undertaker voiced by The Undertaker the way you see him in Curse the Speed Demon. I'm not paying another £5.50 on Prime for this. Another <laughs> Scooby-Doo movie. Rent it. Rent it for £2.49. So you could have rented it for £2.49 like I did, yeah. <laughs> um, but it is definitely, it's worth seeing because never before and never again will there be an Undertaker performance like the one in Curse the Speed Demon. But in terms of what the best Scooby-Doo animated movie is, that's a very tricky question. Um, I don't know, man. My only I'm... experience is like, you know, the old cartoons as a kid. Like, it's where it's essentially the same plot every time. There's good ones and there's not so good ones, you know what I mean? But I always enjoyed it. I always watched it. The, as the... a Scooby-Doo fan, where the hell does Scrappy-Doo, li- was he literally just like a TV series shit can and we don't let him anywhere near the movies because he's a liability? Uh, Scrappy Two was yeah he was around for a long time like he made they made a I think about three different series that had Scrappy Doo in them he was in he was in the sort of Scooby Doo and Scrappy Doo show which were these sort of short five minute cartoons he was I think he was in the one with Vin, the Thirteen Ghosts of Scooby Doo which had Vincent Price genuinely the actual Vincent Price um, voicing a character no um, but uh, yeah Sc- Scrappy Doo never made it to the silver screen <laughs> he's in the good he's, he's in, like the Enzo Amore of Scooby Doo. <laughs> <laughs> only hopefully a little more morally upstanding <laughs> you tell me that his rap album <laughs> there isn't a scrappy doo movie at all um scrappy doo does have a role to play in the first live action scooby doo film um but it is very much um oh he does i've seen that film it's, yeah it's, it's very much Luke. making it's fun of how much it. everybody hates scrappy yeah. doo i would say generally be, be, not, i can't tell you the best scooby doo movie the best Scooby-Doo product out there is What's New Scooby-Doo, which was the, I think it was the late 90s, early noughties Scooby-Doo cartoon. Is the better than the original series. Very, very funny. Um, yeah, What's New Scooby-Doo is the best Scooby-Doo product out there for sure. Cool. And I'm including his match um, ringside against Sandow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, even better than that. Even better than his performance there. Nice. All right, let's round this up because it's uh, getting on. That's a good uh, hour and forty odd minutes pod, boys. Well played. Uh, yeah, twenty minutes this. longer than the actual movie. <laughs> <laughs> 
that's the best thing about podding, you know. Um, I don't know why I said that. That makes no sense. Anyway, let's move on. So <laughs> I'm at Fanboy Rich on Twitter. What are you, Tex? I'm at the Tex Williams on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Uh, go and follow our good friend of the show, Coach Wicked, at Setgo Gym Plus. He's the reason why I've got outlines to abs now. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> Promoting our friend stuff, you know. Lovely. Uh, so, uh, yeah, you can find Tom Stuff, uh, your CBW Creative on Twitter, right? Yes, at CBW Creative. It's a kayfabe account. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but you can find you on No Rolls Bar on Parts of Unknown and, uh, yeah, all sorts of stuff. It's good stuff, man. You can employ you as well, like, can't you? If you want to do Dungeons & Dragons and um, stuff. Yes, you can. I, I've i functioned almost exclusively on word of mouth. I'm a terrible self-promoter, so there is no website to direct you to. I'm aware. That's why I said it with a, can I do it this way? <laughs> but I guess if you just send us a message, we'll feed you on to Tom because you do all sorts of stuff like parties and events and stuff, don't you? Yes, I'm sort of yeah. definitely branching out into like education, um, corporate entertainment, and yeah, a little bit of a little bit of therapy at the moment as well. Um, I, th- I think I, more I guess... people are looking to get into this sort of stuff as well. It's so much fun. I absolutely adore it. It's really fun. To and especially as we're heading for a second, some degree of lockdown here in England. Uh, guys and girls it's a great way to actually spend your time again i've not watched parts parts no rolls barred and parts of unknown but i have played D in the past and if you want to have something to do during a lockdown or even just with your mates on an evening if you can't get a group together give tom a shout fuck no right what a wrestling podcast best place to subscribe your players you love it uh it's quite a night boys bye-bye say goodbye Oh, it's audio. What a finish. <laughs> what are we covering next week? What are we doing on next week's show? Uh, okay. Are we going to start the big old series next week? Oh, the ni- the Nitro run. Mm. Do you want to or do you want to do something else? No, no. let's do the Nitro run. Okay. So uh, let me just quickly double check if I got my notes here. So we are going to do a run of WCW Nitro. Not just so basically this came from we've done a few trilogies over the years, which are basically we pick three shows that revolve around, say, Brett and Owen Hart, for example, and we do three shows or what other trilogies have we done tax? I can't think off the top of my head. Oh, we we've done the Brian Pillman trilogy. We have so we did an early well Brian Pillman, mid Brian Pillman and right one at the end of his uh, career. So but we've never done like full storylines. Now, which storyline is it that these shows evolve around? It's not the Dungeon of Doom, is it? No, this is going to this is the build up to the formation of the NWO. I was just double checking because I was looking at the dates going, ninety six is too late. <laughs> so yeah. <laughs> we booked this ages ago. I forgot about it completely. So yeah, so we're gonna basically do all the shows that lead up to the formation of the NWO where Hogan's the third man and everything. So we're going to start on the 19th of May in 1996 with WCW Slamboree 1996. And we are going to do the next four Nitro shows. We're going to do the Great American Bash 1996. We're then going to do three more Nitro shows and the Bash at the Beach 1996. I think I might want to slip my wrist by the time we get there. But we're going to do it. We're going to do the whole fucking storyline. I can't wait. It'll be worth it just for Heenan ruining it (laughs) at the end of Bash at the Beach. But which side is he on? Oh, fucking hell, Heenan. (laughs) So it's pretty much three months of WCW we're committing to here. 
What a lovely early Christmas present. Yeah, if you're a listener to the regular pod and you don't like WCW or when we talk about it, which is very weird because that's basically all we talk about, <laughs> then just skip over the next three months and come back you know, like around Christmas time. We'll get back on other stuff then. But yeah, WCW, it's going to be great we, fun. We though. might do the odds. We said we might do the odd spot show in between if it gets too hard to grind through. But I think the best way to do this is to smash this out. It feels like it needs to be a persistence thing, you know? Well, we have to just do it every week just to get there. Otherwise, if I have a break, I'm never going to want to go back. (laughs) Like working in an office. (laughs) (laughs) All right, let's try and do another ending. Let's all say goodbye, everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, and thanks for having me on, guys. Our pleasure, man. wrestlers will perform for you tonight. And that's why I kicked your leg out of your leg.